you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 53 of the Banner Panther Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. Thanks for tuning in once again. If you're listening on iTunes, thanks. Spotify, thanks. Podbean, thanks. Google Play Music, thanks, etc., etc. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. I usually update Instagram more. I feel like I have more interaction with all of you. Uh, But I also post a nightly recap after every game uh, on Facebook. So yeah, check that out. BannerBanter podcast on facebook and instagram and banner banter 18 on the twitter machine so we get to talk about regular season basketball and i am very very excited about it um celtics go two and one this week not too shabby perfectly fine by me i wasn't expecting them to win the 76ers game and that's what we will jump into first the 76ers game you know i like i mentioned in episode 52 i really thought that they were really and truly going to lose that game to be honest with you get blown out and they really didn't get blown out until about, I don't know, the last like six, seven minutes of the game. thought they hung in there well, but my God, what a terrible basketball game. Like, what the hell was that? Like, that wasn't even basketball, I feel like. That was worse than a preseason game, I think. I Like, neither team got into a rhythm. No individual got into a rhythm. No one looked good. No one looked like they knew what they were doing out there. It was it was really, really bad. Not, not just from the Celtics side, from the 76ers side, too. It was just a piss poor basketball game the three-point shooting by each team was just absolutely vomit city both teams were under 20 under 27 percent what the hell is that under 27 percent by each team that's wild absolutely wild and terrible and disgraceful for the game of the nba but let's just start off right at the beginning Cantor started over tice and obviously you would understand why because Cantor is more physical and bigger than Daniel Tice. I'm, I think we can all agree neither of them are that great defensively in the post, and no one can really control Joel Embiid. He's an animal. He's unbelievable. I'm not holding that against him in any way, or against the Celtics in any way, shape, or form. Like All you can do is hope that he doesn't have a great game. And, you know, he, I think he had like 15 points and 15 rebounds, which, you know, you're like, hey, not too shabby, but the 76ers won, which kind of sucked. But Cantor started over Tice, which I'm perfectly content with. He did okay. He had it was a really weird play. I think it was in the second quarter. Is that when he had? Yeah, I think it was in the second quarter. Someone drove to the basket and someone fell over and then kind of like ran into the back of his knee. His knee kind of went forward. It looked kind of awkward and painful. And he had the knee contusion, so he didn't play against the Raptors. He didn't play against the Knicks on Saturday night. So basically, he didn't play all weekend. And then he is supposed to be playing. Basically, he'll get looked at again on Monday or Tuesday in hopes that he can play 
against the Bucks. If not, take the Bucks game off, and then maybe he can come back against the Knicks. And if he can't come back against the Knicks, there's a three-game road trip that he can kind of ease himself into against the Cavs and the Hornets and the Spurs. And we'll get into that next week, that that really, like, first road trip for the Celtics. But anyways, back to the 76ers game. But I thought Cantor played okay until that issue, and I think Brad made the right decision of starting him. I didn't think he looked that bad defensively I you know it wasn't ideal by any way shape or form but I thought he held his own I think one of the things that I realized about Cantor is like he's not very good at acting when someone hits him for like a foul you know a lot of these players will be like oh and blah and blah and all this stuff and and act and you're like wow you fooled me you're definitely gonna fool the ref Cantor literally is terrible at it and I hope, hopefully, Marcus Smart can pull him aside and be like, hey, man, if you're going to sell it, sell it. Like, go all out. But because we're talking about Ennis Cantor, I think it's time for another edition of Cantor Banter. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cantor Banter, baby. Wow! Okay, that was it for the Cantor Banter, because he only played in one game this week. But let's break down the 76ers game a little bit more. I think the Celtics really wanted to come out aggressive on the defensive end, and I think they did a really good job, except for Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown got four fouls in the first half. Not even in the first half. I mean, yes, it was in the first half. But in the first, like, 15 minutes of the game, that is being way too aggressive and way too amped for opening night. Like, Kelly Olynyk couldn't even do what Jalen Brown did. Four fouls in 15 minutes? Like, come on, dude, you're you're a very important and viable part to this basketball team. You can't be going out against basically the one of, or if not the best team in the Eastern Conference and literally get four fouls in 15 minutes. A disgrace because it kind of took the Celtics out of it. Jalen Brown needs to realize how important he is to this basketball team now. He, I mean, he was important to the team last year too, but now he's even more important and he can't be making stupid, aggressive fouls in Four of them in 15 minutes. Absolutely unbelievable. I feel like all the Celtics shots that they took were uncomfortable. They were forced. It, w- it was very weird. I mean, include... <sighs> Guys, the free throw shooting in this game by the Celtics. What did I preach, I think, in episode 49, episode 50, episode 51, episode 52? It was like, the Celtics need to be a better free throw shooting team. And you know what? In the first half, not, not too bad. Not too bad at all. 8 of 13 in the first half. And then 20 of 34 overall. How do you go 12 of 21 in the second half? Even if the Celtics went like 17 for 21 in the second half, I would have been okay with it. Because I understand no team is going to make every single free throw shot in the NBA. I'm content with that. But you cannot go 20 of 34 on the road against a team that's better than you. It is ridiculous. It is embarrassing. Oh my God, that was so infuriating. To, to, to actually think, hey, our three-point shots aren't falling, our mid-range jumpers are, aren't falling, easy layups aren't falling, and then you have an opportunity to just relax, do your routine, take a free-throw shot, and then clank it. It, may have, <laughs> oh, it absolutely makes no sense to me. It didn't help that Tatum missed a lot of shots, didn't help that Kemba missed a lot of shots, but you know what? That happens. I think the two of them combined were eight for like a thousand they both they I think Tatum was eight of 22 and Kemba was like 
If someone told me Kemba was like 5 of 17 or something, I think that's what it was, but don't quote me on that. But either way, if those two combine for 40 shots and they're only making 13 of them, this team isn't going to be very good this year. And that showed in Philadelphia the other night. Oh my God, that was that was brutal. Absolutely brutal. And another thing, and yes, I'm going all over the place. Seeing Al Horford in a 76ers uniform, brutal. Seeing what Al Horford did on Saturday night against the Detroit Pistons, I think it was 23 points, 9 rebounds, and 5 assists. Ugh, I wish we got that kind of production from him every night. I know he gave that to us every once in a while, but man, I wish he gave that to us every night. But one of the things that I did like about Jason Tatum is... Something that I was hoping he was going to do a lot this year, and I mentioned that in episode 52, was that I was hoping he would have a lot of 20 and 10 games. You know, he would have a lot of games where he would score like 22 points, 10 or 11 rebounds. That is how you become an all-star in the league. And he was actually the first Celtics player since 2011 to open up the season with a 20 and 10 game. He had 20 points, or a little bit more than 20 points, I think, and 10 rebounds. So shout out to him. And who was that Celtics player who did that back in 2011 opening night? Brandon Bass. <laughs> what is going on with Brandon Bass? Absolutely crazy. One thing that did shock me, and this is just a random thought, was like Brad went so deep into the bench so early into the game. I think he played, if I remember correctly, he played 12 guys in 20 minutes. Usually that's like, you know, if he played 12 guys within the first three quarters, like that makes sense, but what? Jalen Brown gets four fouls in 15 minutes. Brad plays 12 guys in 20 minutes. It was almost like Brad was overthinking it and trying to do too much, and it was it was crazy. But with that being said, that one of the things that I felt like helped them was everyone was kind of fresh because I really enjoyed how much the Celtics got out in transition. That is going to how that is going to be the way that they are going to beat bigger teams like the 76ers, where they can get out, get a rebound push it up the court off a good outlet pass, and run, 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 run. That is how they're going to beat a lot of big teams like the 76ers, and I, and I hope they do that. But there were two runs by the 76ers, now that I'm thinking about it, just that really crushed my soul. You, you think about the 11-0 run to end the first half. Again, the Celtics can't close out a second quarter, and that is full-blown infuriating. And then they hit back-to-back threes. I think they actually went on a 10-0 run by the end of the, you know, when the run was, like, over, but they hit two threes. They, I think they hit three total for the entire game up to this point that I'm about to talk about. But Joel Embiid picked up his fifth foul with, I think, about six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Might have been the seventh minute mark, but whatever the case may be. Joel Embiid picked up that fifth foul, and the 76ers hit back-to-back three-pointers. And I think after that, that was just soul-crushing, for this, not only for myself, but for the Boston Celtics. And then they went on a run, and there was no way the Celtics were going to catch up with how poorly they were shooting. But overall, the game was terrible. You, I think Scal said it best after the game was like, you really couldn't take anything away from that game. You could take some little things away, like they need to be better at the free-throw line. Jason Tatum... You know, had a reasonable game, but 8 of 22 overall really isn't ideal. Jalen Brown can't be aggressive. Carson Edwards couldn't hit the ocean if he was standing in it. You know, those type of things that were, you know, Marcus Smart was trying to do too much, etc., etc. It really wasn't a great game. So, sure, yes, if it was down to a tiebreaker, as of right now, the 76ers 
have a one game lead on us and that that's fine i was expecting it to happen i'm not really that upset but the game of the weekend for the celtics was obviously friday night the home opener at td garden it was great to see kemba walker talk to the fans grab the mic center of the parquet and really you know thank them for being a part of you know this whole energy he Kemba's been talking so much about energy 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 and how he's getting so much energy from the fans so we thank the fans you know appreciate them for all their support you know the the usual stuff you see every single NBA team do at the start of the season but when I was talking about piss poor shooting in the 76ers game uh, I really hoping that the Celtics weren't gonna like go all out with their shooting and my god did they ever I need to ask everyone a question, okay? And I might yell. How do you take 109 shots and almost lose a basketball game? You don't even need to be, you could be a clueless person for the game of basketball and you're just listening to this because you're being a supportive friend and I appreciate that. But how do you take 109 basketball shots and only score 112 points? And you know what? I'll even go deeper and crazier for you. The Celtics took 16 free throws. They took 125 shots, if you include free throws, on Friday night. And they scored 112 points. Now, for those who weren't very good at math at home, that is less than one point a shot. A normal NBA shot is worth two points, worth three points. And a free throw is worth one point. And they did Less than that on average. How do you do that? How do you do that? Absolutely impossible. The Raptors took like 95. So, okay, that's somewhat reasonable. Like, I feel like 85, 90 shots in the NBA is reasonable. So both teams took a lot of shots, a lot of offensive rebounds, you know, whatever the case may be. But my God, 125 shots. The Celtics literally took 30 more shots than the Raptors. And they only won by like six what? Huh? No. Stop. Ugh. That sucked. But again, the first half was just like the 76ers game. What the hell are we doing out there? Like, kind of like that Vince Lombardi uh, quote, you know, what the hell's going on out there? Like, what, seriously, what was going on? Kemba looked way too passive, like almost nervous. And he couldn't get a shot to fall. He couldn't get his three-pointer off pick and roll. He couldn't attack and get a step back, you know, cardiac Kemba jumper. Nothing. He literally went up for a layup and missed that too. It was infuriating. And Tatum, he has more than a green light. He has all of the lights, like it's a Kanye West song. And he, he could literally shoot from half court. If he felt like it was appropriate. My God, the, the way he's been shooting the ball is just like, ooh, look, the ball's in my hand. Whee! And he would just throw it up there. It was absolutely unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Another thing that was kind of annoying, and I can't believe I'm being so annoyed about them winning their first game of the season against the defending world champs, but I am. Time Lord. Oh, my God. Everyone knows I am a big supporter of Time Lord. I was all about him last year. I am all about him this year, but he needs to grow up before I grow old and gray. All he wants to do is block shots. He never stays on his mother effing feet. It is so infuriating. And why am I bugging two games in? Because guess what? We're back. The Banner Banter podcast is back. But Time Lord, every single time he's like 
five feet from someone, he legitimately thinks he can block their shot. And I love the confidence. But there's a time and place for you to either A, stay on your feet, like Kyle Lowry, I think, got so many open looks off of just your average pump fake. They saw, oh, here comes the shot blocker, pretend to shoot up a shot, and Time Lord comes flying by, like, and then Kyle Lowry takes a step to the side, sticks a three-pointer. Kyle Lowry had a great game. I think he shot like 6 of 10 from 3, maybe 7 of 11 from 3. My God, I hate Kyle Lowry, but he had such a good game, and it was because of instances like that. Time Lord, there are two things that the Time Lord needs to improve on this year, and they need to improve on immediately. Number one, you don't need to block every shot. Sometimes if you just put a hand in his face and then you turn around and go get a rebound, that sometimes is more important than trying to block every single shot that comes your way. I'm being serious. Like, it's, sure, would we like to see the Time Lord have 78 blocks a game? Sure. Who wouldn't? It's unrealistic. It's not going to happen. I'd rather him, I'd rather have him get 78 rebounds a game. That's more, again, 78 rebounds in a game. It's not realistic, but I would rather have the Time Lord score eight points, have two blocks, and 18 rebounds versus having 10 points, seven blocks, and five rebounds. Everyone hear me barking? Super duper. But the other thing that the Time Lord has to do is he's becoming very robotic. He catches the ball and then instantly passes it. There were a couple times in the Knicks game, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but there were a couple times in the Knicks game where he would literally catch it and just pass, where if he literally caught it, turned around, looked at his surroundings, he could have driven by or there was a wide open lane because they were giving him space where he could have attacked the rim and got to the free throw line or just scored an easy layup because I think we can all agree that we trust Robert Williams within three feet of the basket because of his length and his athleticism, right? So Time Lord has, he played well against the Knicks. He played well against the um, the Raptors too, but just the shot blocking just needs to just take a step back and he needs to have a better all-around game, and that's perfectly fine. But speaking of defense, the Celtics' first half defense was friggin' awesome. It was so good. They forced... 13 Raptors turnovers. They're being so aggressive defensively. A lot of double teams, they know when to trap. They know when not to trap. They're making the right decisions. And when they do trap, the defensive rotations are there. Everyone will rotate over. Make sure that all the shooters are covered. It's very, very impressive. And I love how much they're they're defending the passing lanes. I think like Jason Tatum had three or four steals in the Raptors game, and then he had a couple in the Knicks game. Like It's great to see how aggressive Tatum and Brown are being defensively. It's going to be so important for this team if they can wreak havoc offensively and defensively. I absolutely love it. Like Kemba, he picked up so many offensive fouls, and I loved it. He has no problem stepping in and taking a charge. Uh, you know, Kyrie did it every once in a while, but since Kyrie is hated by every every man and woman in the city of Boston. They they don't remember that. They're like, oh, Kemba picked up so many offensive fouls. Yeah, you know what? He did, but Kyrie also did as well. Kemba has picked up more so far, I think, but, you know, Kyrie also did that as well. And why am I even talking about Kyrie? I don't know. But anyways, like Kemba, he had two blocks. Jalen Brown, he had two blocks. Tice had two blocks. Tice also, twi- by the way, shout out to Daniel Tice. He had a pretty nasty ankle roll in that second quarter, and he came back and played, and I gotta give a shout out. He didn't play in the Knicks game, because the Celtics said he had a sprained ankle, but shout out to Daniel Tice for coming back in that basketball game. But, the one thing that I didn't like defensively was in the second half, when Pascal Siakam went 
off in the third quarter. The Celtics, I felt like, were tired, and they played defense with their hands on their hips. Like, no one would put the hand up. Every single time you put a hand up with Siakam in the first half, he was missing shots. And then, I swear to God, the Celtics players were like, oh, he's off tonight. He's not going to get it. And then he caught fire because they weren't putting a hand in his face. Just put a hand in his face. Make him think twice. Distract him a little bit. That's all you had to do. But Pascal Siakam is an incredible player. He really and truly is. He played unbelievable against uh, against Pelicans on opening night for the Raptors. He played unbelievable against the Celtics. And it shows why he got a max rookie extension and Jalen Brown didn't. And we will talk about the Jalen Brown rookie extension at the end of the podcast because I have some good thoughts, I have some bad thoughts, etc., etc. But he's just the type of player you just don't give space to. And the Celtics were giving him space. Like, I would rather have Pascal Siakam drive to the basket and everyone collapse on him versus a defender not putting his hand up when he has the ball in the, th- in the corner shooting a three and it goes in. So that's that's the big difference there. But the good thing about this basketball game and the good thing that we really and truly have to take away from it is Kemba, Jalen, and Jason combined for 70 points. Yeah, it was 70 points. And then Gordon Hayward, if you throw his 15 on top of that or 15 or 17, 85 points between Gordon, Kemba, Jason, and Jalen. That is what this basketball team needs. It's going to be... A long season, if only one of them goes off or two of them go off, if all four of them can go off, they can hang with some really, really good basketball teams. But every once in a while, when those guys are off, it I swear to God, it is the same exact team from last year. Everyone doesn't know what to do. Everyone's clueless. Everyone freaks out. And there's no need to. Like when Kyrie was off last year, everyone just like took a step back and was like, oh no, what do we do? That can't happen happened this year and the third quarter of that Raptors game was the definition of it the Celtics should have gotten blown out in this game and once Kemba got going in the fourth quarter and Jalen Brown started getting in the fourth quarter good things happened but you can't do that in the playoffs and I don't even know why I'm talking about the playoffs but like we can't have these little like lapses when everyone poops their pants we can't everyone's like we gotta we cannot be the same team from last year and there's some times for it but to the scary part was after this game, Jason Tatum, again, 8 for 22, like literally the same exact stats, shooting the ball in game one and in game two. And Kemba and Jason combined were 28 of 84. And that has to change. Obviously, Kemba had an unbelievable game against the Knicks. So that stat is kind of dead right now. But just after the first two games to have Kemba and Tatum, 21 out of 84, oof, not ideal. But once Kemba has his team going, this team can be fun. It really can. Kemba likes to be the guy with the ball in his hands. And the Celtics players have to make sure he gets going. And then it makes everything else easier for everyone else because everyone's now worried about Kemba. So you're going to leave Jason Tatum open in the corner or Gordon Hayward cutting back door or Jalen Brown attacking the rim. That's what this team needs. So they need Kemba to get going. couple shout-outs from this game. Grant Williams, great job. He played some huge minutes late in the game, especially when Tice felt like he really couldn't go. Picked up a couple offensive fouls on Marc Gasol. That was great. He was the second rookie since 2004 by the Boston Celtics to have six offensive rebounds in one game. The last time that happened, Jason Tatum. 
pretty impressive, huh? But to actually think about it, Grant Williams, 21 minutes, seven boards, four assists, and a plus five. His shooting sucks, let's be serious. But to get some offensive fouls called, to be physical, to play, he's undersized. I think Grant Williams, like when they actually did the height check and it was under, I mean, without the sneakers, he was under 6'6". I think he was only like 6'5", like no joke. So the fact that he's playing undersized is is pretty crazy. I mean, he's almost like Draymond Green. I'm not comparing him to Draymond Green, but if he can just do those little things, be undersized, be physical, get rebounds, give us positive plus-minus minutes, you could call him a little a little Draymond Green. Again, I'm not comparing him to Draymond Green. Okay? Great. One other thing f- about the Raptors game, now that I'm thinking of it. There were two possessions late in the game when the Celtics had the opportunity to really put that game away, and the offense just stalled. And it was infuriating. There was no ball movement, terrible shot selection, vomit city. Like, these guys, they, like, freeze sometimes. And that's what they did last year. They just watched, like, Kyrie do his thing. And I felt like they just had, like, flashbacks. So they were like, oh, my God, what are we supposed to do? Play basketball. Score some hoops. Like, like let's make it happen. Please, please. The Knicks. The Knicks game. The Celtics get their first road win of the year, their first back-to-back of the year and their first back-to-back wins of the year as well they win 118 to 95 they absolutely blew them out the first half this team has to stop oh my god the first half of these basketball games are so infuriating so far this season you know last year it was the second quarter you know the celtics came out firing the second quarter we're like oh boy here we go but so far the first six quarters of the three games like quarters one and two against the 76ers, quarters one and two against the Raptors, quarters one and two against the Knicks. Terrible, 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 terrible. I swear to God, the terrible shot selection, nothing was falling. Outside of Kemba, there are four other people that started. None of them took free throws. That's not good. Sloppy passing, running through the motions. They would just put their head down, drive, and go, oh, crap, jump in the air, make a pass. It was the wrong pass. Like, the shot clocks were running down too much. It was ridiculous. Gordon Hayward was so sloppy. He ended the game with, I think, four turnovers. He was just, ugh. He was absolutely crappy in this game. And and that's okay. It was bound to happen. He played a, he, he was very good against the 76ers. He dropped 25 points. He was fantastic. Attacked the rim. I think he attacked the rim over 18 times, if I remember reading that properly. I thought he looked great, and yes, I understand he's the third scoring option, so it's obviously a little bit easier for him, but fine, that's the great part about this team. Let Gordon Hayward be the third scoring option. He can score 25 when needed. In the Raptors game, he was pretty good, but man, he was not very good in New York. Ugh, he did not look very good at all. But just like the 76ers in the Raptors game, this Celtics team could not close out the second quarter. They can't close out a half. It's unbelievable. They let the Knicks go on a little run. Knicks went, you know, the Knicks took the lead going into halftime, and it was, oh, it was so much, oh, it was so infuriating. But the second half, oh man, I don't know what Brad said at halftime. I don't know what the Knicks did at halftime, but it was like night and day. The Celtics scored 36 points in the third and the fourth quarter, so 72 points in the second half. That's awesome. They only allowed 19 points to the Knicks in the fourth quarter. Unbelievable. Kemba finally went off. He scored 32 points. In the Raptors game and the Knicks game, 
He's averaging 27 points on 48% shooting. That's incredible. Marcus Smart did the little things. Grant Williams did the little things. Just positive basketball plays. The offense looks so much better when Grant Williams was on the floor. He spreads out the floor very well, and that helps Kemba. That will eventually help Jalen and Jason once they find their rhythm and get into the groove of things. Jalen Brown. I thought looked really good in this game. He had two very nice passes, and I don't know why I'm so hyped about it, but folks, so far this year, Jalen Brown is averaging two assists a game through three games, and all through last year, 1.4. So we're moving on up. This is technically the most assists per game Jalen Brown has ever averaged, and I'm I'm telling you, he's going to get up to four or five. Yep, he is. Just give it time. He had a really nice pass to Grant Williams for a little alley-oop. I loved it. Um, I got to also give a shout-out to my main man, Vincent, for playing. His very first play, he set a great backdoor screen uh, for Gordon Hayward. I think it was for Gordon Hayward to get a layup. Yeah, it was fantastic. No, maybe it wasn't Hayward. But he sent a really good backdoor screen. He runs the floor very well. Very, very well. I was very impressed by Vincent in the limited minutes that he did have while filling in for Cantor and Tice, who did not play in the next game. So that is the recap of the first three games of the Boston Celtics season. So now that means we need a stud and dud of the week. So hit that mother-flipping music. And now it is time for the Celtics stud. And the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, this week's Celtics stud and dud of the week. The stud, you think it's going to be Kemba? Nope, it is Grant Williams. Grant Williams just doing the little things to make everyone happy. Six offensive rebounds against the Raptors picking up offensive fouls left and right, making the right rotations defensively, blocking shots against guys who are much more athletic and bigger, like that uh, Robinson kid and Randall on the Knicks. Just a great job. He was a plus 16 versus the Knicks. Just an overall great couple games. He wasn't that great against the 76ers, but he was really good against the Raptors, and he was even better against the Knicks. So shout out to Grant Williams to getting... Season 2, the very first regular season stud of the year, or stud of the week of the year, if that makes sense. It probably doesn't. Anyways, the dud of the week is Jason Tatum. Guys, gals, individuals, Jason Tatum's shooting has been so bad this year. I understand he's taken some shots. He's very confident. He knows he has to shoot the ball. He knows he's the number two scoring option after Kemba Walker. I get it. He's got the green light. They trust him. I understand he's shooting 45% from the year, from the three, but he has to find a shot, folks. Eight of 22 in game one. Eight of 22 in game two. And then five of 17. Are you kidding me? In game three? against the Knicks, he's shooting 34% overall in the year. That is not good. That's not very good at all. Mm-mm. So that has to improve for Jason Datum real quick, and hopefully it does. I have faith that it will. A little rust. He'll definitely go through a little streak, and hopefully it can start on Wednesday night at TD Garden against the Milwaukee Bucks. Celtics have two games this week, both at home. 
both at TD Garden, Wednesday, October 30th, against the Milwaukee Bucks, just like I just said, at 7.30 p.m., and then Friday night against the New York Knicks at 7.30 p.m. at TD Garden. Then they have the weekend off, and they go on a three-game road trip. But let's break down this Bucks game. The Bucks game is going to be on ESPN at 7.30, so it's going to be a doozy. They have already beat the Rockets on the road, and they lost the Miami Heat in overtime in their home opener. The Miami Heat are looking really good this year. I didn't think they were going to look this good coming out of the gate, and Jimmy Butler hasn't even played yet because Jimmy Butler had a kid, so congratulations to him and his wife. But they were the Bucs were down 16 at halftime against the Rockets, but they were also up 21 against the Heat and lost in overtime. So the Bucs so far this year are looking a little weird so far, but in the game against the Rockets, Giannis had 30 points, 13 boards, 11 assists. They're playing like 11 deep so far. They're playing Ilya Sova and Robin Lopez and George Hill and Kyle Korver and Patrick Connington. Yeah, Patrick Connington. Like they're all getting over 15 minutes a game. So this team is filled with veterans, filled with guys who've been in the league for a long time, like Robin Lopez, Ilya Sova, George Hill, and Patrick Connington are a really, really good like five guys to play. In, off the bench in the NBA. I'm not saying that all these guys are good, but just off the bench, these guys can get the job done, and the Celtics bench is going to have to show up big time because, let's be serious, how are the Celtics even going to win this game minus slowing down Giannis because that's what you have to do. So if Giannis gets another 30 points, 13 boards, and 11 assists like he did the Rockets, there are some ways to beat the Bucks. Number one, we can't let Chris Middleton go off like he always does. Chris Middleton had an opportunity to win the game against the Miami Heat the other day, and he airballed a three-pointer, and Giannis actually caught it because it was so short, and he threw it behind his head, and it went in, and that's what forced overtime in that Heat game. So we have to slow down Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton did play in the FIBA World Cup, so Smart and Tatum and Brown and Kemba all should know what to do and what not to do against Middleton. Maybe Middleton's not shooting the ball as well this year. I probably just jinxed that, and he's probably going to go like 12 of 15 on Wednesday night. But if Chris Middleton's tired now, it's going to be a long season. Because he didn't—I don't think he got hurt in the FIBA World Cup. He might have missed a game, but overall, he played a lot of minutes for Team USA. He definitely started for them. But the other thing is, we can't let them get to the rim. But if you do that, don't let them take open shots, especially those three-pointers. So would you rather have Kyle Korver drive to the basket or George Hill drive to the basket? Sure, absolutely. But if George Hill is driving to the basket, don't have him kick it out to Kyle Korver. He'll stick that three. Don't have Eric Bledsoe drive to the basket and kick it out to Chris Middleton. He will stick that three. They took 46 three-pointers against the Rockets. And then last year in the playoffs against the Celtics in their four wins, they took 47, 37, 37, and 47 threes. So this team loves to shoot threes. Two of those games when they lost, when they beat the Celtics in those four wins in that five-game series in the second round last year in the playoffs, they shot over 40% from three twice. That is how they beat us. That is, we, we, we are not a very good three-point shooting team. I think we can all admit that. Jalen Brown is... As of right now, shooting 28% from three. He's not ideal. Hayward's shooting a pretty good percentage. Tatum's shooting a pretty good good percentage. Can Carson Edwards get going? 
sure, it'd be great, but we can't guarantee it because he's not getting as many minutes as he was in the preseason. Kemba's up and down with his three-point shooting, too, and I really don't trust... Can't trust Marcus Smart. And speaking of Marcus Smart, holy guacamole, does anyone have any more confidence in the world than Marcus Smart when he sees one three-pointer going? He sees one three-pointer going, and he thinks that he can just literally shoot from anywhere. He thinks he could literally go out on Causeway Street and shoot the ball into TD Garden, and it will go in. It's it's absolutely unbelievable. But minus limiting their three-point shots and letting them kind of attack the rim, and hopefully we can be physical and rebound with them, you got to stay close in the re- the rebounding battle. The Celtics lost the rebounding battle against the 76ers by 21, if I... Yes. Was it 20 or 21? I th- I'm very confident they lost by 21. They lost to the Knicks in the rebounding battle. The Knicks by 10. They did out-rebound the Raptors, which I was very pleased with, but that was opening night, a lot of energy. The guys were flying around ready to go. So if you can limit their three-point shooting... Let Giannis be, get his. Don't let Chris Middleton go off like he does every single time against this team. And have the bench not get destroyed by their bench. You know, their bench is better. Their bench is probably going to score more points. Their bench is probably going to be more productive. That's fine, but don't let it be night and day. Don't get blown out of the water, okay? And then the other game, the Knicks game, I know I just kind of broke down that game, but you know some things that the Celtics can absolutely improve is number one, get off to a better start. They, I think, at one point it was thirteen to two. The Celtics scored the first bat or the bat, yeah, the first basket of the game, and then they went on like a thirteen zero run. So get off to a better start, and then just do what you did in the second half. Just be very aggressive defensively. Have the offense just keep flowing. Good ball movement. Everyone's happy. Spread the floor. Like, that's the way to do it. you got to rebound the ball better. You shouldn't be out-rebounded by the Knicks. I understand they have a very couple athletic, really young guys that love to just jump through the ceiling and get rebounds, but rebound the ball better. Get Kemba going again and go on runs because I feel like the Knicks is one of those teams where if you go on like a 11 or 12-0 run, they're, it's just going to be a gut punch to them. And they're just going to kind of like give up. So go on a few runs, especially early, whether it's the first quarter or the second quarter. Don't let them go on a run to end the first half. Please, please, please. And then force R.J. Barrett to make decisions in the middle of the paint. R.J. Barrett, I'm a Duke guy, as we all know. I love Duke basketball. He is so good at finding a shot. But if you force him to think that he has a shot and then he doesn't, he literally like his brain just turns into a puddle. So force him to be a playmaker, and I promise you, things will work out, and he won't be dropping 20 points like he did the other night at Madison Square Garden against the Celtics. And then finally, the other thing that the Celtics have been doing, the Celtics have been forcing a lot of turnovers this year, and they forced 25 turnovers. 25 turnovers against the Knicks the other night, and the Celtics only have 12. The Celtics have been taking care of the ball this year. Knock on wood. And I thought that was going to be very important against the Pacers in the playoffs last year, and it worked out. And they did a pretty reasonable job with it in the Bucks series for a couple games where they kind of hung on. But those games where they got blown out by the Bucks, guess what? It was because of the turnovers, too. Not only the three-point shooting, but the bad turnovers, too. So keep forcing turnovers and keep protecting the basketball. And I think the Celtics could go 1-1 one one this week. There is a chance they could go 2-0. I don't see them going 0-2 this week. If they lose to the Bucks. 
fine. That way, people will be like, oh, the Celtics can't beat the good teams. Well, yeah, the Bucks and the 76ers are better than them. But if the Celtics can beat the Bucks and then beat the Knicks, their next three games, Cavs should be a win. Charlotte should be a win. Spurs will be a battle, but should be a win. And then they come back and play Dallas and Washington. They got a chance, like I mentioned in episode 52, they get a chance to start off like on a 10-game road trip. I mean, uh, on the first like 10 games of the season to be like, Eight and two, seven and three. Who wouldn't want that start? It's much better than the start that the team had last year that everyone keeps trying to forget about, but no one can. But yeah, that's that. So before I end the podcast, let me talk to you about Jalen Brown's rookie extension. So Jalen Brown got a rookie extension, four years, hundred and thirteen. No, was one hundred and thirteen? Man, now I forget. Anyways, it was a four-year, over hundred million dollar extension. 103 was kind of guaranteed with the actual money, and then there were some bonuses. I think it was like $13 million worth of bonuses. So, yeah, I mean, it was four years, $116 million. And some of those bonuses, you know, if he can play more than 65 games and the team makes it to the second round, he gets like a $5 million bonus. Obviously, not every year, but, you know, he'll maybe get like one and a half this season, one and a half another season. And then if he wins defensive player of the year or MVP or makes one of the all NBA teams, he would get an $8 million bonus. Yeah, it was something along those lines. Now, am I happy that Jalen Brown's sticking around as much grief as I give him? Sure. He's a very good basketball player. He's, I think, has gotten better every year. I think he did take a small step back last year, but overall, I think he performed better. I mean, he scored... Not as many points per game, but you also got to think he was playing like 30 minutes a game that the year with, you know, Kyrie got hurt and Gordon got hurt. And then like last year, he lost like four or five minutes a game. I think he only averaged like 25 minutes a game, 13 points. He wasn't, he didn't have as many shots. He shot the same exact field goal percentage, if I remember correctly. So do I think they paid too much for Jalen? Absolutely. I really do. But with that being said, He's going to be making he's going to be making twenty two million dollars. It's not like four divided by one hundred three, and it's going to be the same exact money every year. It's going to start off at twenty two mil and then go up eight percent every year. And as long as all the situation with you know the NBA and China works out, the NBA salary cap should be going up every year. So with that being said, he is next season is going to be in the range of Harrison Barnes, Malcolm Brogdon, Draymond Green, Lamarcus Aldridge, and Buddy Heald. I think he's better than Harrison Barnes. I don't think Harrison Barnes is the same player. I think he's better than Buddy Heald, and that should be a good thing because Buddy Heald got like a four-year, $96 million extension with the Sacramento Kings. I think he's better than Malcolm Brogdon. I Malcolm Brogdon, yes, did have that one really good year, his rookie of the year, but then again, if Ben Simmons didn't sit out the entire year. Malcolm Brogdon probably wouldn't have run Rookie of the Year and probably wouldn't have gotten a huge deal with the Pacers. He's obviously not better than Draymond Green, but Draymond Green's going to be getting paid real soon. And then LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, he's an all-star. I'm not saying he's as good, but for now, I, I honestly think, I think we can all agree, Terry Rozier making $19 million this year is laugh-out-loud funny. So Jalen Brown can't make $3 million more? I think Jalen Brown's $3 million better than Terry Rozier, if not more. Gallinari's in that same thing. Um, I think Gallinari's better, but I don't think Jalen Brown's that far off. Down the road, you know, if you look Gallinari year four, Jalen Brown year four, 
could be the same thing. So I'm glad he's around. He was terrible against the 76ers. He played very well against the Raptors. But you could see why Siakam got a max because Pascal Siakam is light years better than Jalen Brown. He really and truly is. So why I understand the number is a little high, and I agree with everyone on that, it is good to know that you have a good, young, smart player locked up. Uh, he he just turned 23 the other day, I believe. Yeah, his, I think his birthday was October 24th. So he's now 23 years old. You're going to have him, well, he's 24, 25, 26, 27, the prime of his career. He's a third overall pick. He should be getting better. That's all. But, I mean, his free throws, He's oh, he's got to hit some free throws, folks. But overall, I'm meh. Nah on the deal like I'm not like angry about it I'm not like through the moon about it either it's just like the Celtics felt like they had to do what they had to do I don't disagree with you know re-signing him I just think the money is a little bit high so now Jalen Brown has to prove himself and if he doesn't I think Danny will get rid of him and I'm sure there is a team out there that would be willing to pay Jalen Brown the money he got from his rookie deal so I think that's that yeah yeah that's that for episode 53 of the Banner Bench Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really and truly appreciate it, as always. Uh, you can email me at bannerbanterpodcast@gmail.com if you'd like me to add anything to the podcast, take anything out of the podcast, ask me a question. You could do that. You can also find me on the Twitter machine at bannerbanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at bannerbanterpodcast. And yeah, if you're listening on iTunes, don't forget that it's also available on Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, happy Halloween. Uh, I haven't had a piece of candy since December 31st, 2017. That's right. I'm tough. You're not. Have a great night. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.